Today on Snail Trail 4x4, Tyler and the Soulless Ginger get a little geeky. Today's episode of Snail Trail 4x4 is brought to your ear holes by... Sneedy's Off-Road is your number one source for custom and aftermarket products for your 4x4, ATV, and side-by-sides. Quality parts that don't break your bank. If we don't have what you're looking for, we'll get it. Sneedy's Off-Road. The trail starts here. Welcome, one. Welcome all to the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast. If you like going off-roading in Toyotas, wrenching on Toyotas, camping in Toyotas, and maybe even poking a little bit of fun at Toyotas, then this is the podcast for you. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, folks and kiddos coming live. Not live. We're coming, I guess, on scene. What would that be? This is Studio KOH. Studio KOH. (laughs) Thank you. Coming to you guys from Hammertown, just outside of Hammertown, is the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast with guest hosts. Since Jimmy decided to go to cooler climates, we have here... The, <laughs> uh, I was going to say the astute ginger himself, Mr. CJ with a CJ. How are you? Doing well, Tyler. Thank you. That's fantastic. How's your day been so far? Uh, cold. I'm not quite sure that it's warmer where we are than where Jimmy is. Um, that's a good question. Uh, we were probably windier, would be my guess, than where Jimmy is. But who knows? Yeah, we trade the, uh, the trade his snow for <laughs> some sand. and I think it's about the same. Yeah, right. <laughs> At least it was this morning. It was cold this morning. So, uh, yeah, we are here uh, just outside Hammertown. So, we're at King of the Hammers. Uh, this is... We're recording on Tuesday. Is that correct? That's the correct day today, right? It is, yes. Okay, Second cool. day of qualifying. Second day qualifying. So, the uh, Everyman Challenge cars, so 48, 45, 4600 cars, are all going through contingency right now. Contingency inspections. Um, and then the 4400s, the big boys, were doing qualifying today, and uh, I believe there was a little bit of a break to do the uh, long jump. What what were they calling it? I only heard it as a long jump. I don't know uh, what it was, but yeah. the winning distance was 102 feet. Was it really? Yes, sir. <laughs> nice. I can take the forerunner that far. I'd love to see that. <laughs> can you take the excursion that far? Hundred two, nine thousand pounds doesn't fly that well. Oh come on! It was a monster truck that probably weighed twenty grand that went at least fifty feet. <laughs> oh man! So, um, are you enjoying your time out here so far? Absolutely, yeah. It's mm-hmm. great. Uh, Hammertown has grown a lot since I was last here in twenty sixteen. So twenty sixteen's been four years since you've been here. Yeah, about and four it, years, and I think uh, when I rolled in on Sunday, uh-huh. Hammertown looked like it did on a Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, just to put some scale into that, yeah. if you guys have been down here, uh-huh. it's uh, it's larger, quicker. It's larger, quicker, and that's what she said as well. And the uh, <laughs> So, we've had, uh, I mean, literally, there's been nonstop cars and RVs coming in down Boone Road since I got here on Saturday afternoon. Um, and so I came down with Kobe in the Taj Mahal, which is where we're recording right now. So the, the temporary hammer studio is the Taj Mahal. We, it's going to doing a good time. Uh, we had, we brought down the Kermit, the second gen forerunner on the trailer, um, had a very almost non-eventful trip down. We <laughs> Do tell. We, we lost a strap. 
So we had uh, one of the straps that was holding the rear axle uh, broke, and we lost it somewhere on the freeway. So um, hopefully it didn't end up in somebody's windshield. <laughs> but we uh, stopped in, where was it, Victorville? Yeah, we stopped in Victorville uh, to get some groceries on the, the coming in here, and we just kind of checked over the rig and everything, and we only had three straps <laughs> holding the rig down. We were like, uh-oh. All right, let's put the spare on. I think it's time for uh, a trip to Max tie downs. Maybe, yeah. They're they're right here in town in the in town, right? They are. They yeah. are. They have a nice big booth, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm per- personally a fan of uh, their equipment. Oh, really? I have two sets of their straps. Uh, nice, very cool. Recommendation. Uh, check them out. So I don't do a whole lot of towing. So I've never actually towed one of my off roading vehicles before. It's a Jeep thing. I, apparently, yeah. Toyota people prefer to drive our stuff to and from the trails after we beat it up on the trails, too. So, <laughs> rather slowly, I might add. Hey, whatever gets us there and back, it's all good. <laughs> so, you drive. If uh, those are the listeners out there that have do not know who CJ is, um, he's of course CJ with a CJ. We mentioned him multiple times here on the podcast, uh, and he drives a, a what? What color do you call your CJ? I'm embarrassed. I should know the factory color. Uh, it is a rust color orange, is how I call a it. Rust color orange. Um, it is. I think it's called Copper Mountain or okay. Copper something, and it's actually factory color from '81. Copper Mountain does sound a lot better than rust. A colored orange. Right. <laughs> right. It matches my hair is really what oh, okay. the way to do it. That's nice. Did you plan it that way or? It just worked out that way. It was oh. meant to be. I think the Jeep chose me. Okay. That's a- <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so cool. Last time, I think that we kind of talked about you or heard about you, at least somewhat in depth on the podcast, you decided to go wheeling on your oil pan. You're rock crawling on your oil pan. Thank you for the reminder. Yes. Yeah. How how was how did that whole adventure turn out? It was it was fun. I had a I had a, a great friend behind me with a Toyota that had no brakes. Um, yeah. So between no oil and no brakes, <laughs> we were we were doing just fine on that trail. <laughs> yeah. And then I ended up almost ended up with no steering on the <laughs> way down to you. I would have uh, would have been really bummed, but I left you on the side of the road when you had stopped making oh, that phone call. Right, yeah. And if I hadn't seen you since then, I would have been <laughs> I would have never let, let live that one down. Yeah. So. I'm glad we're both safe. Yeah. So, cool. Um, you got a new oil pan, I assume? Or did you just get it JB welded up? And No, I have a new oil pan and actually pulled off the old oil pan. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, some of the factory oil pans have a, like a built-in skid plate. I, yeah. For those of you not kind looking of. at the podcast because <laughs> it's not video, I'm <laughs> yeah. using air quotes. <laughs> and uh, what it is, is there's just four spot welds there that hold it on. Really? And I thought it was leaking from somewhere cracked and it would be uh-huh. obvious. I pulled uh-huh. the pan off. Wipe it all down. Still can't find the crack or the leak. Uh-huh. Look closer, and there's just... The spot weld had just pushed up, and it's just the diameter of the spot weld, maybe three millimeters around, uh-huh. and that's where the crack was, and oil was leaking out through the center of the skid plate. Interesting. The spot weld. And then the it, s- <laughs> underneath the underneath this gap yeah. between the skid plate and the oil pan, uh-huh. and out and around. So I had sealed everything up, epoxied everything. There was no way I ever would have solved that leak. It was wow. I would have only had to seal it from the inside. Yeah, and it's not worth repairing that. You no. get a sixty dollars oil pan <laughs> yeah. and, and bolt it, bolt up a new one. Nice. Um, so cool. I'm glad that that's all back together. You were talking about doing an engine swap here recently. What was it transmission transmission swap? swap. Okay. So we do have a uh, Curry Rock Jock sixty on order. Nice. Uh, should be here a week after hammers. Those are sexy axles. That'll be good for the front. Uh-huh. Um, I put a sixty rear in last year. 
Okay. Um, and then we're going to be doing an NV4500. Nice. Um, I donated the wheelbase for you guys in your crawl boxes. So no. we're going to stick with a granny low first. And then so that's a, that's a, a 6.2 in low? 6.2 or 5.8. It depends if you go with a, the Dodge or the GM. Okay. And what year. They, which they which one are them. you getting then? Unfortunately, I think the 5.8. Oh. Don't quote me on that uh-huh. ratio, but it's the slightly lower one, but it's better bell housing. Okay. More parts, just easier sw- swap. Okay. Cool. Um, that sounds good. So you're going to end up with a Curry Rock Chalk 60 in the front, a 60 in the rear. Is that a Junkyard 60 or? It's a Junkyard 60. It's uh-huh. out of a uh, Chevy pickup from the 70s. Okay. Um, kind of, it's an oddball axle. Yeah. It's a Dana 63B or something. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Poured a lot of money on the insides <laughs> and left a Junkyard housing. Really, nice. in hindsight, would have spent more money on the housing yeah. <laughs> with all the money I spent on everything else. So yeah. It's 35 spline, chromoly, nice. e-locker, 538s, okay. um, full float, uh-huh. uh, narrowed full float, which is hard to do, plus uh, five on five and a half. Okay. Um, for Jeep pattern. So. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. What tires are you running? You're running at 37s, 38s? 37s right now uh-huh. with uh, BFG. The BFGs? Yeah. The KMs? Oh, or? actually, we're sorry. We're good. Your MTRs now. <laughs> I'm a BFG guy. I apologize, uh-huh. everybody. Uh, nice. <laughs> so good. Your MTRs, 37 inch flavor. Uh, beadlocks? Uh, beadlocks. We have uh-huh. some. Uh, uh, so Method. Methods. Okay. Yeah. Alright. I, I I spec'd out 39 stickies and race lines before this build three or four years ago. Uh-huh. And then unfortunately some things moved. I got a different Jeep instead for a while. I cheated on my, <laughs> cheated on my, re- my regular Jeep. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, in the process sold all the parts I'd bought. So uh, this okay. wheel and tire combo came with a steel. And so that's why I'm running Goodyear's and, gotcha. uh, and these, these methods. Okay. They're, they're all good stuff. I'd actually have mm-hmm. no complaints. They're great, but uh-huh. I've always been a BFG guy and a race line guy. Okay. I just got some race lines for Kermit. Awesome. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I'm excited to get him on with the the 39-inch IROC. So, it'll be it'll be fun. I just got to get back from Hammers and then do a week-long snow wheeling trip. And then I'll have a week to fit the 3950s under and before I go on another snow wheeling trip. <laughs> Perfect. That'll yeah. be a good comparison back-to-back. Uh-huh. Yeah. Neat. That'll be fun. Um, so, cool. You have... Uh, you do a lot of other stuff, too. So you, you are uh, a self-proclaimed overland extraordinaire. Overlander whoa, whoa, whoa. Extraordinaire. Self-proclaimed, I hope not. Oh, no, no, no. It's, a, no. it's an unfortunate title I've inherited. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but you do a lot of rock crawling. You have a really cool uh, excursion with the the old 7.3 in it, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Nice. Power Struck 7.3. Yep. And you've done a lot of modifications to that. Yeah, mostly uh, some mild upgrades driveline-wise. So okay. uh, Ford rebuilt heavy-duty trans. Mm-hmm. Uh, those have a pretty lame four-speed that tends to fail. So okay. a little bit upgrade there. New turbo, uh-huh. a few things just to help it breathe a bit. And uh-huh. it's, it's it's chipped. But most of the mods are more geeky. Uh, the stuff that speaks to me is there you the, go. the yes. other not mods you have right, going on. Right. So let's get into those a little bit here. Okay, okay, <laughs> we can do that. Okay. So you have, um, you have. Let's just start with the the best place, the ham radios. Yes, sir. What do you have going on with the radio wise in there? We've got an Icon fifty one hundred. Okay, as my main uh, communications uh-huh. uh, in in the front, uh, dash mounted, kind of below. Um, this, for those of you who don't know, it's a nice touch screen radio mm-hmm. um, with GPS built in and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to has some cool features. Um, and then in the back, we've got an ICOM 2700, an old, old trusted uh, ICOM yeah. that's doing it my APRS. Nice. Okay. 
And then, so your APRS, what are you using for that? Because the radio just transmits the APRS signal. It doesn't actually create the signal, or right. I guess the, the protocol. Fair, fair. Yeah. So uh, generally, I'm using an iPad uh, up okay. front. I have a, a nice RAM mount holding my iPad up front um, mm-hmm. where I use Gaia GPS for okay. my navigation. But then I run APRS 5, the iOS app, uh-huh. for my APRS beaconing. Okay. Um, and then I connect that to the back where the APRS rig is actually mounted in the rear with um, a mobile linked TNC3. Okay. And the mobile linked is a Bluetooth TNC. Correct. Wireless so free. Wireless. Yeah. yeah. You're not running wires through the body panels or anything. It goes via Bluetooth from your dashboard to the mobile linked. And then the mobile linked is connected directly into your radio via wire. Correct? Correct. Yes. yes. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. It works pretty well uh-huh. so far. Um, uh-huh. we're, we're still experiencing some growing pains and, yeah. <laughs> and whatnot, but that's the fun of technology, right? Right, exactly. We'll get to play around with it a little bit tomorrow, too, and, and maybe this evening as well. So uh, we'll get into that in a little bit here in the episode. Um, so you, we, you got out to Hammers here a day after I did. I yes. got out here Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and then you showed up Sunday afternoon, evening time? Correct, around 3 p.m., yeah. Okay. And you got to come out and we got some media passes for we, the podcast, right? We did. Thank yes. you, Snail Trail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> CJ's the, the resident photographer for the week. Um, and then after the week is over, we get to fire him just like we did Kobe at SEMA. So um, how has the photography stuff been going along? Because I have not been keeping track of what you've been doing <laughs> photography-wise. No, no worries. So, <laughs> we, uh, we shot quali- we shot uh, 4,500, 4,600, and 4,800. So the Everyman Challenge qualifying yesterday. Okay. It took about 550 photos. Nice. Um, we had a good spot right outside the short course um, as, they, as they turned to exit short course. Okay. Um, catching them in that bank turn, catching them jumping. And then off out into the into the kind of the wide open hill climb, mm-hmm. and then at the same time capturing capturing folks coming down through the Ford Arch down the oh, rocks nice. and entering back in the short course. So okay. it's pretty pretty interesting because the timing would be almost the same time. So you were oh, as, as you were getting exiting, the car exiting, someone's coming, someone's coming down. So that's it, cool. keeping you on your toes and yeah. keeping you busy. <laughs> yeah. um, and a uh, lot of good action. Uh, got a nice shot of Matt Howell um, doing a nice wheel stand on nice. the Ford Arch. Uh-huh. So it's good to be good to be shooting some photos again. It's been a while. That's cool. Because you don't, I mean, you don't shoot photos or anything for a day job, but you kind of used to do videography as as your day job stuff, if you want to get into that. Sure, sure, uh-huh. yeah. So, I, uh, I I have more of a knack towards video and mm-hmm. filmmaking. Uh, used to work down um, in the LA area doing some productions and uh-huh. short films and, and uh, music videos and some features. Um, so, love, love being behind the camera. Yeah. Uh, and in, enjoy it, but I've never pretended to call myself a photographer. Uh-huh. Much more of a video guy. Um, but <laughs> okay. I, I know how to I know how to set up a shot and okay. take a picture. So nice, um, awesome. So you're hanging out over at the short course all day yesterday during qualifying. Uh, you were there during Power Hour, right? Yes, sir. So explain to everybody what Power Hour is. Power Hour is hopefully an hour long uh-huh. of usually the top horsepower and top tier racers. So these are the racers that are maybe well known, maybe have mm-hmm. won in the past, national champions, etc. Uh-huh. It's the racers that people want to tune in and make sure they get to capture. Gotcha. And so they'll cram them in in an hour um, so that 
people won't miss the racer that is their favorite. Yeah. But more importantly, it's kind of nice because it's usually as the sun's setting, the course is a little bit more chewed up, uh-huh. and it's right in their eyes as they're racing, <laughs> and we're giving them a challenge, and they're putting on a show. And yeah. They're usually setting fastest times and setting some good paces, so it's a lot of fun. Nice. Um, who was who was there? I know that Kevin Jones didn't didn't get to. Uh, nope. Didn't get to qualify. He was one of the few. So his strategy, talking with him, because uh, also last night is Tuesday. So last night, Monday, he came over to the camp and hung out with the podcasters for the evening, which was hilarious. Uh, we essentially, so Jason, so we're all here, all the podcasters are here, right? The, the trio, um, Snail Trail 4x4, uh, Wheeling Wine and Whiskey, and then Mike and Max's Off-Road Podcast without Max. Um, and so the joke, there's kind of a running joke now that Max doesn't actually exist because he hasn't been to SEMA or now Hammers, or at least, you know, at least at SEMA, Jimmy was there and then I'm at Hammers and then Jason and Chris made it to both because, you know, they have Jason and Chris money and they can do stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, we, we ended up stuffing how many people in Jason's Lance camper at one point? <laughs> I think we peaked at 10. Yeah. <laughs> 10 guys shoved into the, this Lance camper like sardines. And uh, we had so many people in there and we were laughing and talking so much that the bullshit meter kept going off. No, it was uh, the carbon monoxide meter. Uh, sensor kept going off saying hey we're running low on oxygen in here <laughs> and it always went off after somebody said some kind of statement usually and so we started just calling it the bullshit meter every time it went off after somebody said something and it was usually kevin jones uh talking and saying something uh when it ended up going off which we found fairly ironic so or jason or jason yeah, yeah. it didn't seem like there was no ox- there was a lack of oxygen in there yeah but boy, when we stepped out, it sure felt like some good fresh air. It did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, God, where were we? We go we go off on rabbit trails all the time here, which is great. So, um, Sunday. Let's go back to Sunday. You got here. Um, Sunday, when I was here, uh, I got to go and do something awesome and super fun on Sunday. Um, the UTV race was going on Sunday, the 4,900 class, which is the UTVs. Uh, and these things are just, there's some of them aren't even UTVs anymore. They're, they're completely built frame and suspension attached to a UTV engine and drivetrain. <laughs> like <laughs> that's a lot, pretty, a lot of them are running 35 inch tires. And they're running 30, yeah, exactly. 33s and 35s are very normal for the UTVs out here right now. And so, uh, I got to be stationed down in back door all day long on Sunday. Uh, so we had a listener, Clint, um, reached out on the podcast and got a hold of me on Instagram and said, Hey, I heard you're going to be down at Hammertown uh, for the whole week at Hammers. Would you like to come out and help us run recoveries at back door? And I was like, Oh man, that sounds amazing. But you know, I've got other, a bunch of other stuff I've got going on. We had uh, some really cool interviews planned for this week, some good, cool meetings with vendors. Um, I just don't think I'm going to be able to throughout the week. And he goes, Well, what about Sunday? What are you doing Sunday? And I was like, Well, I mean, I have a couple buddies who are racing in the UTV. So I was going to probably just end up pitting for them and helping them out as best I can. And he goes, You should come over to back door instead. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, interesting. I was like, do you know if they're going to be sending the... Usually, they have the UTVs bypassing backdoor. They're not usually going on backdoor at all because it's just a big-ass ledge 
and in UTVs, it's it's much bigger, taller than a UTV wheelbase. Right. It, yeah, it's it's long. long. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, the UTVs, because they've been uh, getting so good at, at creating suspensions and frames and, and chassis for them and loading them up with just the UTV engines, drivetrains, and these 35-inch tires on them and everything, that Dave Cole was all... You know what? No, UTVs, you guys are doing everything that the big cars are doing this year. <laughs> so, sure as hell, UTVs get to go down back door, which I was not aware of until Clint told me. And uh, and then Clint ended up not being able to make it. He had some other stuff going on, some personal things. So, congratulations, Clint, uh, for your, your personal accomplishments. I believe it was something along the terms of a child. Um being coming into this world so um congratulations to clint but i got to hang out with chris paul all day long uh and uh, and a couple other guys and chris has if you guys listeners out there watch ultimate adventure and pay attention to ultimate adventure at all chris paul was on ultimate adventure uh, two years in a row and he has an h3 hummer on 40s uh, h3 on 40s and everything on that thing is custom and so I got to look over his rig and talk with him a lot about it uh, before the action really started at Backdoor. And so we're hanging out, really super cool guy, awesome freaking rig. And he had uh, his rig parked right down there in, in, in Backdoor, such at the bottom of the ledge. And we stationed another rig up top, uh, just in case anybody rolled up top. And I'm looking at this thing, I'm like, uh, who's going to roll at the, up at the top of Backdoor? Uh, really, it's just backdoor. That's the big problem. But sure as hell, throughout the day, we had uh, two rigs roll at the top. But essentially, as soon as the rigs started coming, um, they just they kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. There was 152, I want to say 100, as right around 150 mark UTVs during the race on Sunday. And so, as soon as they started coming, they were just coming. And the first guys, you know, there's those are the guys that are running 4400 the big cars and they're kind of using the utv race as, as almost like a pre-running right oh absolutely all the, all the big teams now yeah. have a utv team yeah exactly and so those guys know how to run backdoor they've done it a lot before they're very well accustomed to how the rocks are set up that stupid little nub on the the passenger side coming down at the bottom oh. um and so they just came down and they you know, just kind of slowly creep down, creep down. And as soon as the front tires, they fall off the ledge. As soon as the front tires hit, gun it a little bit and spits them up from and lands on all fours. Right. Um, sounds easy. Sounds easy, right? And they made it look really easy. The first like five or six rigs that came through, we were like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be a super busy day. And then no, as soon as like the rest of the pack started showing up, it was it was a lot of rollover. I would say sixty to seventy percent of the vehicles that came through rolled, and so <laughs> we had endos, we had rollovers, we had tons of broken tie rods, of broken axles. Um, it was we had some people because they they lapped through twice, right? So we had some people roll both times they came through. <laughs> it was it was a very entertaining day. We probably did sixty to seventy rollovers in total, um, just hanging out and rolling them back over. So <laughs> you had no idea what you signed up for. Did I it? didn't. No. I, I figured. I, I was thinking, you know, one hundred fifty UTVs, we would get fifteen rollovers, something like that, and it didn't disappoint. So <laughs> it did, was people, fun. did people have a good attitude about it? Uh, most of the racers did. 
There was one uh, a one team that came down, and they actually rolled at the bottom of Resolution. Resolution is the the obstacle at the top end of Backdoor. You come down Resolution, then you continue, and then you go down Backdoor. Uh, they rolled at the bottom of Resolution, so we had to go up there and you know check and see if they're okay. And then uh, technically, if you're uh, running recoveries out there for the race, you're only allowed to help at that obstacle, and so. Uh, we were, we, you know, phoned into, radioed into race ops and we're like, Hey, there's a rig that's rolled over at the bottom of resolution. Are we allowed to help them or do we have to let them do it themselves? And they said, no, no, they're technically, you know, bottom resolution, top of back door. It's so close to each other. Go ahead and get them rolled over, make sure they're safe. So we did that and they came down and they ended up rolling over again at the top of back door <laughs> after that first shelf. And they rolled over to the point where they almost rolled and continued rolling down back door. Oh, like no. they were that close. And if they had gone one more quarter roll over, they would have gone all the way down back door. Oh no. And so uh, they ended up stopping on their side with their tires facing the, the back door going down. If yeah. they had rolled one more over, the tires would have, went over yep and so uh they got out of the rig and we stabilized everything secured it all and as we were securing it um there was a car coming down and he's just sitting there starts yelling at us um this is bullshit come on get him out of the way we need to go and i was like i was like you don't have to take the center line you can go around the left people have been doing it not very many but you can go around and do it i mean it's it's pretty much just square up and it's kind of the same theory where you just kind of slowly drop the car off the shelf this 12 foot shelf and as soon as it hits the ground juice it and go um i was like i wouldn't try it myself but i'm not racing right now so i was like if you are in a hurry to get around him that's your line and he kind of sat there for a second and he goes okay thanks i was like okay cool i was like are you gonna go he goes no we'll hang out okay cool so we're setting up winch lines in front of this guy on this car and all of a sudden about five minutes into it, um, he starts pulling forward. And we're like, whoa, whoa, hold on. We got winch lines going across you and across the trail and everything. And he goes, he goes, I want to go. And I was like, okay. And so we held, we let the line back out, held up the winch line, let him go under it. And he went up to the left line, kind of went over, went over, went over, went over the ledge, goosed it, did a kind of almost a side uh, half a pirouette, half a 360, and flopped over sideways in the hole and back door. So now we've got one at the top that's about to fall off the ledge and onto him. Onto him, and yeah. then a guy on the bottom with his tires up in the air. So we're like, okay, let's just secure the guy at the top, make sure he doesn't go anywhere. We'll use the re-rig the winch from the bottom end, uh, Chris's rig, onto that guy, roll him back over, get him out of the way. Um, so that was fun. We had maybe seven cars come through while we just had this guy dangling over the ledge at back door. <laughs> Nobody wanted to wait. So we just kind of have to wait until they get through. Um, and luckily, we only had two cars roll over while we had this other car dangling over the ledge. <laughs> Insane. It was crazy. It was nuts. And then uh, the way that we got the car that was dangling over the ledge, the way we got him back up was uh we secured a line to his uh, roll bar the a pillar down low and we secured another line um to his uh uh, uh not the radius arm uh what is the trailing arm to the trailing arm a bracket up at the top and where it connects into his frame right so we connected a rigging line there and then we held the top one 
to keep him from rolling over and going down back door sideways. Right, right. While we used the one on the trailing arm to pull him over to kind of get him somewhat upright so uh, that the driver could get in, start the rig, and drive it off and back up the ledge area to the up to the mini back door where he rolled in the first place and started rolling down the hill. So uh, one of the course marshals comes over and he goes, he goes, all right, this is what we're going to do. And I'm just sitting there like, are you serious? Like, if we roll him over any more that way, we're going to roll him off the ledge here. And he goes, no, it'll be fine. You're holding him on the uphill side. He's not going to go over the ledge. And I'm like, all right, your call. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it your way. And so um, sure as hell, we got him rolled over and literally both of his tires, he's now level, almost level. Right. But his two passenger tires are hanging out over the ledge. Can't leave it out over. Yeah. He's cantilevered out over the ledge, and the court marshal says, okay, driver, get in, start your rig, and uh, just try and drive up and try and get back uphill. And he goes, hell no. (laughs) So him and the course marshal were going at it for a little bit there. Finally, the course marshal made him get in the rig um, while we were holding it there, balancing it over dead space. And so the guy gets in, and we got him out just fine. But I was just like, oh, my God, that was sketchy. That was crazy. So um, that was, like, kind of one of the highlights. The other highlight was uh, I there was a car coming down. I started figuring out you could tell how timid the drivers were because they would kind of come up and then back up and then reposition their line and back up, reposition line and back up. So this one guy was doing it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Something good's going to happen. So I kind of, like, snuck down, like, within 10 feet of the big hole and just started filming. And I was like, this is whatever's going to happen. It's going to be fun. And he came down and he hit the nub on the bottom, right in the passenger side, which everybody who is doing that, they hit the nub, it jerks their steering sideways. So when they get to the bottom, their steering's at full lock when they gas it to come up out of there. And it makes everybody spin out and do a pirouette, essentially. He did a full 360 pirouette and landed on his tires. Everybody else that did that landed right on their hood on their lid uh he lands on his tires and the crowd goes nuts <laughs> absolutely <laughs> afterwards and then he just drove out of it and i was like that was freaking amazing so that's the video i have posted up on my instagram uh i went and got it up yesterday so anyway so that was utv sunday uh super fun really glad i did it uh I'm super thinking for the invite from clinton chris um, so definitely, I highly recommend it. If anybody wants the best seat at Hammers, I think throughout the whole week, uh, it's get involved, try and volunteer for the backdoor crew during the UTV race. So, or volunteer in general is what I've heard. Volunteer in general, you get, you get some really great, uh, spots to be at. Uh, some, there's some really cool privileges that come with volunteering. Um, and, and they, they do a really good job with the volunteers. I was very impressed um, with the volunteer meetings and how they handled uh, this mass army of volunteers that makes helps this event go on. So uh, kudos to everybody uh, that does all that. You know, uh, JT, I think her name was Jessica, um, and Sean, um, all those people that kind of manage the volunteers. So uh, kudos, hats off to you guys if you're listening. <laughs> but um, so that was Sunday. Monday, uh, I didn't do, I got stuck in the media tent, kind of uh, prepping and doing some work and stuff while you were out doing photos of the qualifying. And what happened to Monday night? Back. Shootout. Shootout happened Monday night. <laughs> so, uh, shootout happened Monday night. 
It was not at backdoor. It was not at backdoor. That, that's no. what I paused and said, uh, backdoor shootout. Mm-hmm. It was to the right of Chocolate Thunder as you look up Chocolate Thunder. Yeah, which was a very interesting because it's a, a brand new line. They've never broken. It's, not, it's an unbroken line yet. Uh, and now it's now an official trail, I think. Idle Issues is my understanding. Idle Issues is what they're calling it. Yes, sir. Nice. So it's it literally, if you're looking at Chocolate Thunder, there's just this mass of kind of red, brownish, rusty, orange, brown looking rocks. <laughs> that kind of matches the look of CJ's Jeep. <laughs> the color uh, to the right of Chocolate Thunder. And then to the right of that is uh, just this massive dirt hill. Yeah, sand hill. Right, sand hill. Um, and so if you're, you're looking at those rocks, that's where it was. And it, that was really cool because we got media passes, right? So we show up and being media, we get to get into some interesting spots to get good photography and and, and have a, a really cool experience and then report about it all over. And, uh, and so we got to sit up on the rocks to the left if you're looking at it. So it's kind of the rock the face in between the trail that they did the shootout on and Chocolate Thunder. Right. So we're kind of up in the the rock face there. And uh, it was it was insane. It was it was a pretty insane shootout. It was, it's much steeper than it looks like on any photos or yeah. video. Yeah. Um so they had they have rock bouncers, they've got rock crawlers, they've got a couple of like small little UTVs that are super turboed and a 12-year-old was driving one of them and um it was very interesting. Uh, I had never I've not been to a shootout before. And uh, it was very entertaining. The highlight, the well, second highlight of the trip <laughs> behind the UTVs doing backdoor there. It's a really neat opportunity to see the different strategies, right? You yeah. have some high horsepower buggies, you got paddle tires, you've got yeah. low center of gravity, mm-hmm. flexy stuff, long wheelbase, short wheelbase. Yeah. The guys that are crawling with stickies, uh-huh. and it's neat to see the different, the West Coast and East Coast. Um, yeah attitudes come out. <laughs> that is true. That's a good way of putting it. West Coast versus East Coast attitudes and wheeling styles coming up that. So, um, what was your take on the shootout? How how did how did you go? How did you fare? It was fun. It was actually my first shootout in person, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. This is my fifth KOH, but I haven't been earlier in the week when the shootout happens. Uh-huh. So, it was fun to be there in person. Fun to kind of, you know, hear the engines and, and, and sorry, motors. Hear motors. the motors. <laughs> yeah. How dare I? And, <laughs> uh, and just hear the crowd respond that, that uh-huh. some of the most fun i think is the crowd that assembles at the bottom of this hill oh and my god we should talk a little bit about that it's not even a crowd it's a it's a mini it's a mini city it's a mini hammer town that assembles at the bottom <laughs> of this mountain of this hill for the shootout um we got up there what time did we get up there probably about fi- 30 minutes before sunset about 30 that's yeah, about so right. like 5 30 5 o'clock yeah and then they don't start the shootout until it's dark right so they kind of have a planned time for it, but it doesn't officially start until it's dark. And they light up this hill with some very concentrated spotlights. Um, and, you know, there's flags on either side of the hill to mark the boundaries for the racers. And it's a matter of, you know, I think they gave them, what, five minutes to get up the hill? Three, three minutes. Yeah. Three, three minutes. minutes to make it up this hill. <laughs> this is a hill that you couldn't <laughs> walk up in three minutes. I know, right? <laughs> and uh, not many rigs could ever make it up. No, yeah. As I say, I think if I if I took the forerunner, I would have to winch up the entire hill, and it would probably take me like four hours to winch up that hill. Um, and so they have to make it up this hill in three minutes. That's what they have. And out of the, there was twenty three rigs that entered, and I think seven or eight 
finished? It was it was it was up there. I bet it was maybe ten. Maybe ten. Yeah, it was okay. a, it was more than that than last year. In my understanding, last year I think only three made it to the top. Oh, and uh, it, this was quite the challenge. But I think our second contestant uh, actually made it to the top. So it kind yeah. of helps set the bar that this is doable, uh-huh. and it inspires the rest of the guys to hammer down. Yeah. Yeah. Because now it's a time thing, not exactly. a distance thing. Exactly. Not a, not a distance attrition thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the rig that made it first, he was the second rig to go. Cause the first guy didn't even make it up 20% of the course. Right. He got stuck right at the bottom and just, he ended up timing out at the very, almost the bottom of the course. And so the whole crowd is like starting to boo and they're, they're getting into it and, um, the second rig that came up, that uh, hammered it down through that little spot, just powered through it. And as soon as he did, the crowd went wild and they're like, okay, this is doable. This is actually, we're actually going to get some action here tonight. And, uh, he goes up and he did great. He did a, a front dig uh, on command, like super quick. It looked, everything was super smooth in the front dig. Um, and made it up the hill uh, without too many issues, really. It was a good, pretty good clean run. Uh-huh. Um, maybe 90 seconds, I think, was the first uh-huh. uh, first completion run. About that. And then uh, that same vehicle ran again. It did. With a different driver. Yeah. And didn't have such good of a time. <laughs> he ended up becoming a permanent uh, a permanent addition to the hill for the rest of the night. <laughs> a few rigs at, what, at a, yeah, a few a points became that. Yeah. 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 So uh, it was really cool. Uh, I think the fastest time up the hill was 30... Eight thirty nine thirty eight sixty two I think thirty eight sixty two thirty eight seconds to get up this <laughs> stupid hill. <laughs> oh, man. I think you could take your pit bike at the bottom on the sand hill and still not make it up in thirty eight seconds. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that was that was phenomenal. What was really cool about that was leading up, like you said, we got there about half an hour before sunset, and we get up on this the hill where the media is allowed to be. And this hill, you know, looks back across the valley to Hammertown from Chocolate Thunder. And the sun is setting over on that side of the valley as well. So we have the most amazing shots of uh, looking back over as all the cars are emptying out of Hammertown coming over to Chocolate Thunder with the sun setting in the background. And the stage is right there. And the hill is just starting to light up as it's getting dark. Um, so that was phenomenal. That was really cool. You got some great video. Well, hopefully we'll have to check it out. <laughs> I did. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Had the GoPro and the iPhone doing its thing. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, the real camera was charging. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty cool to watch, watch the different lines, the different techniques that people come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the vehicle size and wheelbase, different uh-huh. lines worked. Uh-huh. And you started to get a pattern or feel for where the hard spots were and the techniques. And, yeah. And there's some... There's some finesse in that thousand horsepower. Uh, I, w- I was impressed, you know, watching for the videos that I have seen of rock bouncing. I've never been to a rock bouncing event ever. And uh, but from the videos I've seen, it just seems like they just hammer down and try and steer wherever they can. And this was not that. No, I was very impressed. So um, these guys, like you said, they're running thousand horsepower, 800 to a thousand. And um, they, they, you could tell when they wanted to be on it and when they didn't want to be on it. And then you could tell just, you know, sometimes they really wanted to be on it and they didn't really want to be on it. And it was a matter of burping the throttle essentially and, and the throttle control and finesse that they had with all those horsies. Right. Was very impressive. Yeah, it was quick. It was, um, it's neat to see the sport or the, at least this event evolve, um, mm-hmm. from the, you know, pedal down and just, 
hopefully you take a good lucky bounce yeah. <laughs> yeah. to really knowing your vehicle suspension has changed a lot where these things are bouncing but landing and sticking uh-huh. versus just bouncing and bouncing back off a rock and into yeah. the air it was just neat to see how it's evolved uh-huh. and um the car control that was there so we yeah. talk about car control at high speed we talk about car control inching in the rocks this is a different kind of car control that yeah. was really impressive you mentioned something about a rear steer uh, a bounce with a rear steer and a kind of a movement in the air. He, yeah, he he was able to coming up. There was like a really sharp S turn, climb, hairpin, almost turn with loose rock and big rocks, all in one big obstacle, right? And you have to hit it with power at the bottom, but not go so far that you miss the turn. And then you have to make this super tight turn that most of the rigs are, all, are running rear steer, and that helped them make the turn. Uh, the first rig that made it all the way up, that's where they did the front dig really quick and smooth to get around that. Um, but it was it was really interesting watching the throttle control to go to from full on to make up the first hop, and then to make the turn left, and then the sharp turn right in loose dirt, and then another sharp turn left over big rocks to come out of it. And there was one rig that did it by hopping the vehicle into a rear steer, and he he hopped it and was able to, just the way he hit the rocks, turned the vehicle in air and landed on the perfect line to continue, and with just enough throttle to catch it and continue into the turn, he already had the rear steer set up. So when he landed from the hop and turn... He had the rear steer set up to start turning as soon as he started landing, and I was I was amazed. So just the vehicle control at the level that they were doing it at was insane. Um, so uh, that was really cool. We had one guy go up and get all the way to the top, and then just hammered on it rev limiter as hard as he could. The last sixty feet. The last feet. sixty feet, eighty feet or so. And just he ended up hitting a big rock, took a bad hop, and flung over sideways. <laughs> and we thought for sure he was rolling all the way down that hill. <laughs> so yeah, recovery was not was not uh, easy on that hill, and no. they had their work cut out for them. They definitely did. Um, while they were trying to, because re- he ended up landing uh, with the bottom side of his rig up on a rock that was just as big as his rig, so they couldn't just flop him back over. They had to winch him by dragging his his skid plates and flat belly up on top of the rock as they're rolling him over. And they snapped a line doing it as they they had to run a snatch block to one of the big rocks and then back to the rig. And they had his rig running a winch out to keep him from going downhill. Um, And that that was impressive watching the recovery of that one, seeing how they were able to get him rolled back over. Because I was like, there's no way they can get him rolled over from there because of that big rock that's right in his belly. <laughs> so uh, kudos to the recovery team. That was really cool to watch them in action all day, all night long. Uh, there was another rig that kind of did the same thing. He went up in the last 60 feet, slammed on the rev limiter, and ended up doing a wheelie. And everybody thought that he was coming over end over end backwards. There was a dust cloud. Dust cloud and in the middle of his wheelie. And then you just hear another, what? Another hit the rev limiter. And then nothing. And the dust cloud settles and he's gone. <laughs> it was a vanishing act. It was a, vanishing, he's a magician, right? <laughs> so, yeah, what he had done was he started, ended up doing the wheelie, hit the rev limiter, just kicked it just enough, came out of the wheelie and disappeared over the top of the hill and nobody saw him do that. So it was, a uh, it was pretty impressive watching that happen. Um, there was another guy that went up 
in a, a pickup of some kind with a full cage and took a weird line up the middle and just slammed on it and launched himself in the air, did a complete somersault back, almost like a gainer. Like, <laughs> if you think of somebody jumping and doing a gainer off of something, he kind of did that, but then landed backwards right on his lid, f- continued flipping over, and then landed sideways on his tires. And kept going. And kept going for another, like, 10 feet, and then he had broken an axle from there, and he was done, but... The whole crowd went wild for that, too. And he just jumped out of the rig and put, threw his hands up in the air. He's like, oh, man. That was phenomenal. So It, it was good energy. It was a good yeah. way to kick off the week for those that were coming on the lake bed and then missed the UTV action. Yeah. Like and then, myself. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That was the, the shootout. Everything kind of finished up. The guy that won it, it was an 18-year-old that he collected his trophy and then had to go home. Because he had to go to high school, go to back to go back to school this morning super early. So uh, he collected his trophy and took off. He didn't get to stick around and, and hang out at all and enjoy his winnings. Um, but yeah, that was fun. That was that's amazing. What was the prize purse for the first place? Uh, I don't remember. For, it was either thirty five or forty five hundred dollars. Uh, second place was twenty five. I know that. So um, I'm not sure if first was thirty five or forty five. Um, but yeah, some of these guys come and drive all the way from the East Coast just to do the shootout. Right. And then, a couple <laughs> so days cross country for a 30 yeah. second uh, for, race. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, drag racing is the only one that beats that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, it was super impressive, really cool. Uh, as we, you know, as the event was coming to a close, we were able to kind of watch the crowd disperse and the head exodus. back the exodus back to Hammertown. And that was pretty cool to see from up there as well, um, up near Chocolate Thunder and watching everybody just go back across the valley back to Hammertown. So, Yeah, for those of you who haven't been out to the Hammers in Johnson Valley, if you stood at the top of the Chocolate Thunder or that hill any other week of the year, yeah, you'd see nothing but blackness and stars. Uh-huh. But for this one week a year, uh-huh. it looks like there's a huge metropolitan area. Yeah, literally. I mean, there are they're expect they're 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 thinking Hammertown is going to hit seventy thousand this year at least minimum. Uh, I want to say last year is fifty five, fifty four, fifty five thousand. So they're expecting seventy thousand down here. Like I said, it's Tuesday afternoon and there's still vehicle after vehicle after vehicle coming in off of Boone Road and Highway two forty seven, and there will be through like all day tomorrow too. Um, at one funny point, uh, we were up on the hill and uh, I, was, I got service and so I was texting Kevin Jones because he found my forerunner. <laughs> How did he find it? Oh, that's a good that's a good story. He was uh, walking around um, and just happened to be walking by and s- saw a license plate out of the corner of his eye, which is my ham radio call sign, K6TLR. And he saw it and he goes, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. Why do I know... That's a ham radio call. Oh, my God. That's Tyler. So, he starts looking around my rig, apparently. And I had my windows down and the doors unlocked and the keys were inside it because we had uh, Kobe and some other people were supposed to be hanging out at the rigs, um, guarding them. <laughs> and, um, no, and, and they let somebody get in my forerunner and get a hold of my radio and start calling for me on the radio. And I was like, who is this on the radio calling for me? And he goes, all I heard is, Hey, Tyler, K6TLR, Tyler, are you out there over the radio? Cause we had, I had the radio in the car and the, my handhelds tuned to the same frequency. And I was like, yeah, this is Tyler. Go ahead. And he goes, 
He goes, hey, so I found a really neat green forerunner with its doors open, windows open, and keys inside it. And I'm thinking about taking it for a joyride. Just want to make sure that that's okay with whoever might own this forerunner. And I was like, that doesn't sound like Kobe. And I was like, um, I mean, not really. Who's, who is this? And he eventually ended up being Kevin. And then right about that time, as he was saying who it was, Kobe found him. And so they started talking and we came down afterwards and uh, uh, not afterwards. So I was, he's texting me now after he's done playing around inside the forerunner. And he goes, I was like, where are you in the crowd? He goes, I'm right here. I'm holding my cell phone up. Can you see me th- wiggling it around the light? And I'm like, dude, I got 50,000 lights down there that I, I'm not going to pick you out at all. Um, so it was just funny. Just his thought process to to be fair it's hard to find people out here oh absolutely with limited cell reception and people not knowing how to use their gps uh-huh. uh it is i have like 10 people i'm supposed to meet up with while i'm here and i haven't <laughs> met up with a single one <laughs> yeah yeah we ran into uh, wyatt pemberton in the media tent who runs the talent tank uh, i don't know if anybody listens to that out there it's an awesome show if you're not listening to it you should be um it covers all the people associated with ultra four right um, there, there's background production people, there's course people, there's a lot of the drivers, the Ultra 4 drivers that he interviews. Um, really cool show. And I ran into him in the media tent. He goes, oh, awesome. I'd love to come by and chat for a little bit with the three podcasts. And, and you know, we're like, oh, hell yeah. Wyatt, come on out. Like, I'm starting to fanboy out. And, and he goes, so where are you camped? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm, I'm over that way. <laughs> but there's there's no landmarkers out in the lake bed. Well, our neighbors have a nice landmarker. Then now they do. I, they I do realize that today. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I need to find him and say, hey, come find us by the big neon green tripod with uh, tricycle motorbikes running around in a 40-foot circle underneath it. So hopefully that'll get him in the right direction. But The circus, you mean? Yeah, the circus. Right. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, it's uh, getting around down here is very difficult sometimes, especially if you've never been here before. You don't know where anything is. Um, you can't just be sitting in the lake bed and say, "Oh yeah, I'm you know I'm over near Turkey Claw, or I'm camped over at uh, near Laser Town, or I'm camped." Um, God, what was the other one? Um, the phone bush is my favorite. The phone bush is yeah. <laughs> I'm camped over by the phone bush. There's some people that camp over there. Uh, so it's like, how do you, when you get down here, if you've never been here before, how do you find your way around? Stars. Stars? You get, you get out of stargazing map? <laughs> Absolutely. No. Uh, those of you, uh, those of you who haven't been to the lake bed before, it helps have a GPS. Absolutely. I heard that 100%. if you put, type in King of the Hammers in your Google, it takes you here. It does. Yeah. Google knows exactly where it is. Right. And we also just learned this week that for two weeks out of the year, Amazon and UPS will deliver packages to Hammertown. (laughs) I'm not sure how that works yet. I really want to test it and see what the process is to get a package down to the lake bed here. They're going to deliver it, supposedly. And I mean, technically, there's addresses. Right. In Hammertown. So I don't know if there's like a, a, a place or a central location to deliver it to or if they come running into Hammertown deliver it to your address. I don't know. Um, but I'm really curious to see how that works out. So I may test it out. But uh, yeah, it shows up on Google. King of the Hammers. It, it's it's there. Yeah. So. It, gets you, it gets you at least down Boone Road. Yes. Which is important. Once you're here, I think you need some sort of mapping software. 
Absolutely, yeah. Something that you can log some GPX coordinates and get your <laughs> yeah. way around. Yeah. And uh, I, it actually helps to have even location drop. If you do have cell reception and you do your friend's location or pin mm-hmm. dropping like we do on Facebook or Apple mm-hmm. Maps or Google, that's a good way to get around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found that the one of the better ways is to uh, tell people the GPS coordinates is have them plug it into their map and it drops a pin where we are. Uh, but, you know, if you, you're down here... And how do would people? Okay, let's start over with that question. <laughs> how do what? So okay, I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm not. I'm not giving you the lead in anymore. You have a complete, almost complete map of Johnson Valley. I do. I do. I've scoured yeah. the internets. You have scoured the internet. And I've uh, gathered some, some of my own tracks and uh-huh. other waypoints over the years and uh-huh. put together a, a, a GPX map, mm-hmm. uh, a series of tracks and waypoints for Johnson Valley. Yeah. Um, that's available for free uh-huh. for people to check out. Um, I'm what a, big, a guy. I'm a big fan of Gaia GPS uh-huh. and uh, decided to start collecting stuff from my trips in 2011 and 2012 and some stuff I've seen on Pirate and other mm-hmm. folks. Um, I do not take credit by any means for for all these locations and this data, mm-hmm. except that I've collected it all together and, and kind of put together a map that calls out famous points like the phone bush. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't <laughs> know, there's a big, ugly-looking bush in the middle of a flat lake bed. Yep. That's the size of a small apartment. Yeah, yeah. 1,200 square foot apartment, yeah. Where every carrier has cell reception. Yeah. It's, and I don't, I don't know why, what I, it is about this bush. <laughs> no one can explain bush. it, but it's a magical <laughs> bush, and there's usually a ring of people camping around it. Uh-huh. There was a school bus, a van, a couple Subarus, and a couple other types of vehicles around it when I drove by it yesterday. Yeah, and that's one of the one of the good landmarks to know mm-hmm. um, if you're coming out to the lake bed, so you can uh, catch up with the real world <laughs> yeah. uh, in between trail rides. There's the mailbox. Uh, there's the different Melville Lake. Means Lake, etc., that are all the the hot desert spots and whatnot, but uh, and all obviously all the trails. Yeah, so I'm I'm super impressed that you were able to put this map together because I did a lot of research and trying to find a, a complete map or at least GPX tracks for all the trails down here. Some key points like the phone bush, the mailbox, um, exactly like the center of Hammertown, um, and. I couldn't find anything. All that I was able to find was like tracks of people's trail rides for that entire day. Right. And so it'd be like day one on Thanksgiving 2012. And I'm like, well, this doesn't help. I need to, I want to know where this trail, and I had all the, I had all the waypoints for the beginnings and the ends of all the trails. And then I had the tracks that went through that trail, but I didn't have the track of just that trail right and so you were able to do that and and find that data um which i'm super impressed about well thank you i am too Uh, i just got really (laughs) stubborn one night and decided to keep looking until i found it because i was not about to edit joe smith's thanksgiving eve uh trail ride and uh do it the hard way. Yeah, because that's what I was. That's what I was eventually going to do if I couldn't find it. Was pull apart, go into the actual the the text file itself, pull out. It's got you know they're loaded with fifty thousand GPS coordinates that creates these tracks. Your track of your trip, and I was just going to find out what was the GPS coordinate for the starting end and the end, the start and the end of the trail, and delete all the ones outside of 
those coordinates. Sure. And then rename the file and, and mess around with it in there. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much going to be so much work. I don't have time for this. I'm not going to get it done before hammers. And you ended up finding them all. And I was like, oh my God, CJ for the win. <laughs> well, it was helpful too for our folks that are less uh, propeller hat. Yeah, uh, oriented. Uh, people <laughs> yeah. were sharing accordance from last year for where a camp might be, uh-huh. and then some people came to Lake Bed early. Mm-hmm. Got a, you know mapped out our camp and dropped a pin on Apple Maps. Mm-hmm. Well, the pin doesn't tell me what the coordinates are until I <laughs> kind of do some digging. But I got the coordinates, <laughs> typed them into Gaia, and then added that ca- as camp this year. So everyone who's coming into the Lake Bed later in the week, uh-huh. including myself, knew exactly where to go. So does and that, that was pretty slick. I, I may end up editing this part out, but does that mean that anybody who goes to your website and looks at that folder ha- knows where our camp is now? That is correct. <laughs> uh, I, I just I, realized that. <laughs> yeah, I was actually careful with some of these things. They are all private tracks, okay. um, so they're not searchable on the Gaia ma- app. Okay. So if you go to GaiaGPS.com... You can't just search can't, Turkey Claw. Uh, you can. You, you might find someone else's okay. tracks, but you won't find my maps or my folder. Okay. Um, I do keep them private, but then I sh- I do have a, create a public link for those in the know or those who go to my website can check it out. Okay. Um, and that's just something where I want to curate it, make sure it's right before I share it publicly. I okay. believe in the public public sharing of the info, but open source data. Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to yeah. make sure it's right and, yeah. and kind of edit it out. So you guys are my beta testers. Woohoo! <laughs> well, I'm enjoying it. I haven't really gotten to use too much of it yet. I will be using it tomorrow, as and maybe tonight. Um, we're going to, we might end up taking a trip up to Fisher Mountain at nighttime, uh, in the Forerunner, but then I'm going to be hanging out on Fisher Mountain all day tomorrow for during Everyman Day, Everyman Challenge Day, uh, cause we have some teams. Uh, we have two teams here that we're kind of camping with, uh, Art Stein, John Allen, uh, driver and co-driver there in a 4800 car, and Josh Ebel and Dave Ainsworth, uh, another driver and co-driver in a 4800 car. And um, and we're also going to be kind of working with Kevin Jones. So uh, we are going to be trying to run a manual relay for radio comms, kind of like how Weatherman does. If anybody knows what Weatherman, how Weatherman works for the races that Weatherman is out at, um, he just kind of sits up on a mountain and you can get in contact with him to try and figure out and get in touch with your cars, your race cars, wherever they are on the course, if he can. And so uh, I'm going to be kind of doing the same thing for those three teams. And uh, I'm hoping it'll go well. I've heard that it's not still, still you just can't cover all the course from one spot. And I figured that out as well, looking at topo maps and everything. But one thing that we're really interested in is every year there, uh, there's uh, an app called Yellow Brick. Yellow Brick GPS tracking, Yellow Brick tracking, whatever. Look up Yellow Brick if you guys want to check it out. Um, but it will track... Uh, the cars via satellite um, and it will uh, relay that information and put it up on the internet. So everybody watching the race at home can check out where all the cars are on the race course. Kind of cool. Kind of fun to follow the cars, see, oh my God, there's a massive pile up in Jack North and, or whatever's going on. You can kind of keep track of what's going on throughout the course, throughout where everything is. So the only problem with that is that the pit crews also need to be able to know where their cars are because if their car doesn't show up at a pit by the time it should be showing up, 
Um, then the pit crew start worrying that the car is broken down somewhere and it's unfixable. And the drivers, you know, they're not going to be able to fix it. So they're not trying to run out and get spare parts from one of the pits and run it back to the car and fix the car. Um, and so the only way for pit crews to know that is to know where the cars are. But because internet reception is so bad down here, mainly because there's only like one, maybe two cell towers that services the whole valley down here. Pit crews can't really get internet updates on their phones. So they can't pay attention to Yellow Brick extremely well. So everybody in the world knows where the cars are, except for the people who need to know where the cars are. <laughs> Any of you web wheelers out there watching the live stream at home uh-huh. and following on Yellow Brick, it's always humorous to hear what lack of information there is on the lake bed for the people that actually need to know it. Yeah, it's exactly. Pretty funny. It's, it's pretty hysterical. So um, I and you as well. Um, are huge fans of APRS for ham radio. And uh, those, uh, if you guys listen to the podcast regularly, you know that APRS, hopefully you know that it stands for Automatic Packet Reporting System. And it's a way to track yourself, uh, lay down a tracks or breadcrumbs for people to follow you via radios rather than satellite and internet connections. Um, so you can use radio connections. So what um, I'm going to try to do here with hopefully some help from you is put together little mobile APRS packages in these little Tupperware boxes that have a handheld eight watt handheld radio and an old cell phone or a tablet or something in it running an APRS droid or another APRS app and uh, to a mag mount external mag mount antenna and it'll be all self contained. Um, it won't need to have power run from the car to the boxes or anything, and we're gonna strap them down to the car somehow strap the antennas down to the cars somehow and uh, turn it on when they line up for the race and hopefully the batteries last all day long, all 10 hours, 12 hours or whatever it is. Um, and we'll see how much of a signal I can track them with from on top of Fisher Mountain, which is the 35, 3,600 feet in the middle of Johnson Valley, in the middle of the race course, essentially. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of connection we get what kind of data we get and where we can see the signals coming in from where the dead spots are. Um, so I'm really interested to see not only during the race tomorrow, if it works, but also see the data afterwards and go through all that data and see how it all turns out. So it'll be really interesting. And it's a good analog for yellow brick in terms of each beacon is a delay. It's instantaneous when you get it, uh-huh. but it is a moment in time uh-huh. and it has the speed uh-huh. and the altitude uh-huh. and it may not beacon for their 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. It depends on when it gets reception again. <laughs> yeah. But at least you have a moment in time that you know is truth. Yeah. And that's similar to how Yellow Brick works. But it'll be awesome that it'll be available. Via, we'll have our own little live tracker map. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that'll be really cool. And I'll be able to... I should, from on top of Fisher, be able to have a line of sight to each of the pit crews. So I should be able to reach them no problem. Um, and so hopefully I'll be able to kind of relay what's going on with the cars down to all the pit crews. Uh, for those three teams uh, throughout the day tomorrow. But it's going to be a long day. I'm going to have to get up there super early. <laughs> Leave here pretty early. Um, and so in order to do that, I've got to use my Gaia and get up there so I know where the trail is. I've never gone up that trail before. Um, the Forerunner should be able to do it no problem from what I've been told. Um, but I get to, I'm get using your uh, Johnson Valley maps to get up there and get around tomorrow. So that'll be fun. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Huge win. Huge thank you to CJ. Um, let's see what else. What else do you got going on? 
missing my rig. I wish I had my Jeep down here. Yeah. It's a little tough uh, sitting, in, sitting in one of the best rock crawling uh, meccas of the world and yeah. uh, not having your own rig. And seeing all the other rigs around. It's good <laughs> eye candy. If you ever yeah. want to be inspired on how to build uh-huh. or what to build, there's so- there's something for everybody out here on this yeah. lake bed. Um, you've got a lot of unique, uh, fun builds that are kind of off the wall, like hydraulic drive and... Mm-hmm. S- you know, adjustable wheelbases and track widths <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the fly as you drive, all the way to classic, beautiful builds that are just restorations, mm-hmm. uh, lifted limousines. There's a ginormous uh, CJ Willys out here called Big Willie. Big Willie's out here for you burning <laughs> for you burners out there and uh, other people. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just a who's who of anyone who builds kind of down and dirty cars. It's kind yeah. of the SEMA of people that actually. Uh, use their cars. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. No offense to SEMA. Yeah. SEMA's amazing. However, these are the people, th- these are the SEMA cars that are actually hitting the dirt and getting yeah. dirty. Yeah. Um, the functional, the, I don't want to say functional. A lot of the cars, th- they move under their own power sometimes at SEMA. <laughs> I'm a, but you're I'm not, no comment. You're, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll leave it at that note. Um, yeah. So, uh, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks it's, for having me. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, you're you're always a fun guy to get on it and hang out with and talk with because uh, we inevitably end up talking about APRS and ham radio stuff and, and really technical things a lot of time. And I enjoy that. So uh, thank you. You bet. Thank you. It's a lot of fun to geek out on some of this stuff. And I think it's uh, it's nice to geek out on something that's appreciated, right? A lot of yeah. people want those maps. People want to be able to find the stuff, enjoy our trails, mm-hmm. um, keep our open trails open. And the best way to do that is to, to actually use them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, so that's cool. Uh, let's wrap it on up here. If you guys have any questions for CJ or myself or Jimmy, even though he's not around, um, you can send them on over to Tyler at snailtrailforex4.com and I'll uh, get them forwarded over to CJ. You can also find CJ where? Uh, you can find me at uh, Instagram on Rust at Rusty Lid Offroad. Okay. Uh, or my website at www.rustylidoffroad.com. Nice. Uh, that does have uh, a quick bio on each of my vehicles and the, pro- <laughs> the products I used and to build them and other cool stuff, as well as a GPS uh, page that has all my GPS tracks of my favorite trails, uh-huh. including the King of the Hammers maps. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can also uh, hit me up at cj at rustylidoffroad.com. Cool. Now the the just quick question the products and kind of the, your builds of your vehicles and what you've used on your vehicles um, have you been sponsored by any of that stuff or is that all stuff that you've researched and you are you really like and you would highly recommend not just something that you're getting parts for or? yeah let's be clear um, I am uh, not sponsored by anything yeah um, I. Uh, do have an Amazon affiliate links up there because <laughs> if you're going to buy something and you want to click the link, I might yeah. as well uh, get a small cut. But yeah. um, that's just a recent addition. And it's mostly that I, as I was researching all these uh, links to share, uh-huh. I figured, my, why not, why not uh, try this out? Yeah. yeah, so put them in a central location. So yeah, this is all stuff that I've I've done after wheeling for about 18, 20 years here mm-hmm. uh, that I've chosen and, and use. And uh, a lot of the technology stuff, especially, is stuff that I've, I've trialed and error, just like you did with all yeah. your ham stuff. Yeah. You know, 
you start to learn what works yeah and yeah and you stand behind it yeah and along with that is is a link to gaia discount there um as of two weeks ago i'm an affiliate for gaia nice and uh it's one of those things where i've been using their product for 10 years i've countless people i've told them about their product and checked it out Uh didn't even think i'd ever get be an affiliate or care about that but i emailed them just being a fanboy Uh and they they gave it to me and i was (laughs) like all right cool so might as well uh share share a 35 percent discount with folks so no similar no different than your uh my off-road radio affiliate link exactly so so yeah it's really cool um i've had an issue with my Gaia uh, recently. Uh, now that we're we're getting into this, but um, and uh, what was happening was I the folder that I created with all my Johnson Valley trails and you know Richard's day two at Thanksgiving 2011 um, wasn't syncing over to the online the Gaia, GaiaGPS.com uh, and that server, and it was just on my phone. But everything else was syncing just fine. I would create a new folder and it would sync just fine. It was just this one folder that wasn't syncing. And that's about that time when you said, Oh, hey, I have all the, I found all the tracks and got them all down. I was like, Okay, cool. Screw this. But I still emailed Guy about it just before that. Their customer service was awesome. Nice. And figuring and helping to figure that out and, and putting in the time, um, to try and troubleshoot it all. Um, so. I think they have a great product. I really enjoy it. I use it all the time. You use it all the time. Um, so if you guys are ever curious about it, get in touch with CJ over through the web. Do you have a contact form on the website? I or? do as well, yeah. Okay. So you can do the contact form, email, Instagram. Um, he loves sharing knowledge and, and sharing information with people. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thank you. Um, it's been a pleasure. Fun and to have uh, you. We missed you, Jimmy. That kind of. <laughs> Just I, kidding. I missed you, Jimmy. Okay. CJ definitely missed you. So, um, yeah. And that's about it. So, we're going to wrap it on up. Do you have any final words for anybody out there? Stay dusty, my friends. And with that, my friends, keep crawling. And I'm look to my left, and I'm standing next to none other than BJ Baldwin. Yeah, I didn't even know I, I was <laughs> Jason. Jason was looking over at us. He goes, he's mouthing BJ Baldwin to us without saying the name, right? Because he's right in between us. And I'm like, this is boring. Like, what is he saying? You're bored. I was like, this is boring. I was like, you're crazy. What? Is-? And he's just like, still just leaning there. He goes, no, BJ Baldwin. And I'm like. I still can't figure out what's going on. Then you turn and look at me. You're getting super serious. This look on your face. You're like, that's fucking BJ Baldwin right here, two feet from us. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so, so, anyways, so it's, it was fun. He, he, obviously, he's, I'm a big fan of his driving and yeah. uh, watched some of the videos.